Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. I want to go back to the Old Testament a patriarch, a man of God. Uh, we called him prophet, the first king called prophet, priest, and king. He's the second king in the nation of Israel, but the greatest king that Israel has ever known. And so uh, I want to talk about the rise, uh, even the fall of this man who writes Psalm 23. Uh, when I look at this psalm as a young lad, uh, I, I learned Psalm 23 as a young boy, and my mom was a stickler for that. She had us to memorize or to at least become familiar with all. Uh, we became familiar with all of our um, Bible characters in the Old Testament, which I think is so important. Uh, there are people who want young people, kids, to be filled with the Spirit. And I think uh, if you give them the Word, the Spirit is attracted to the Word. So we want to make sure they at least are familiar with Old Testament and New Testament surveys. Who wrote it? What are the Bible stories, the main characters of the Bible? Uh, we can deal with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we also need to know who Moses was and Aaron and the prophets. But King David, uh, one of the kings, one of the sovereigns of Israel, is very important to know the man and his character. And as a young man, I wasn't really... Uh, uh, wasn't really uh, had a heart to explore Psalm 23, only the first part of it, and that is, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And uh, it really stuck with me, that part. As I grew as a young man and became uh, a family man, got married, then the psalm meant something more to me. I had to know a little bit more about the shepherd, uh, to know that he can handle the family, and that if I'm going to emulate him, I need to make sure that I'm leading people in the green pastures and besides still waters uh, as it relates to my family. I need to make sure that they are able to eat and I'm providing for them what they need. So I need to draw from the well myself. And it means something else or it meant something else when I became a father. I became a father. I realized that uh, kids need nurturing and sometimes we all feel like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death but we fear no evil. Why? Because the presence of the Lord, even ex facto, he may not may not be there physically, but his presence is always with us. And then again, today is uh, and, and countless other times in between. Uh, I've grown up, up here in Psalm 23 and reciting it and knowing that God will take care of me. And I will not want for anything. So how many times have you read the psalm and how many times have you thought this thought? How can the promises that are in this psalm become a reality in my life? What godly person or even unsaved person for that matter uh, wouldn't want all of these promises to become a reality in their life? I think everyone on the face of the earth would like to enter into green pastures, especially if the green pastures were uh, financial pastors and uh, still waters to have peace in your mind. Nobody wants to live in confusion and if you did, that's more demonic than anything else. And people clothed in the right mind don't want confusion. 
Satan is the author of that. We want clarity of thought and clarity of vision. The Bible says in James 1, even a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so uh, God, don't, that word double-minded is to be double-souled, like having two people. I always do it, man, and I have to do it again. Bump, 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 bump. My mind is playing tricks on me. And there's some people up in here, their mind is playing tricks on them. I mean, one side saying, go to God, the other side, no, don't go to God. And yeah, you got to get out there in the street. No, you know, you know, you, you know, you don't need to be doing, you know, you know, you don't need to be doing that. You be, wait, what, what's happening up in here? The wires are crossed up. What we need to do is get our minds, singleness of purpose, singleness of mind. One thing I desire of the Lord, and that will I seek after. Glory to God. Thank you, God. And if you're saved, then let's act like we're saved. If we're sanctified, then let's keep our hands off the things that God told us not to touch. And if you're saved, sanctified, then let us speak wholesome words because evil communication will corrupt good manners. And so when we talk about David, I love to talk about David. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, he's the shepherd, but he's also the soloist. He's a guide, but he's also a soloist. He's a musician. He plays the harp skillfully, so much so that demon spirits have to leave the king. He's a soldier. He's a warrior. He took out his first giant before he was 20 years old. He's also sought after, which means after he took out his giant and uh, Saul then wouldn't allow the boy to go home. He says, I want you to live with me for now and I want you to play music for me. But as Saul began to let David take over certain regions of the army, he started having victories. The scripture said, for God was with the lad. And as God was with him, he started mounting up in victories. And so as Saul is riding on his chariot and David is riding with him, the women started singing songs. Be careful when women start singing about you. <laughs> Be careful when they start singing about you. Saul was okay when they were singing about him. Saul has killed his thousands. Saul has killed his thousands. But they added another verse. But David, but David, but David killed his ten thousands. David killed his ten thousands. David killed his ten thousands. And when they did that, the scripture says David got an enemy. It said, the scripture says it like this in the King James. And Saul began to eye him. <laughs> that means he was looking at him weird you know he's looking at him weird hatred started building up in his heart and he began to seek for the young lad he became a fugitive he was sought after not just by God but by an evil force and then he went through all of those changes all of those issues and God brought him through and he becomes the sovereign of Israel the shepherd king the lad the shepherd who became king not only king of Judah, they crowned him king of Judah at first, but then he became king of all Israel. He then becomes a sinner. As God took him up, I guess he got his eyes off of Jesus, and it's very easy to fall into sin. He fell into sin. He fell hard. You know the story, he was the guilty one. But after he was caught up in his sin, the scripture says he didn't stay with his sins. He became very sorrowful. He repented. Of his sin. You'll find it in, in Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness, according to, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And so, even if you fall into sin, you don't have to stay there. You can become sorrowful for the sin, repent, and God will forgive you. 
He then becomes a statesman. Uh, he begins to negotiate with the Gibeonites to break a three-year curse that came upon the land of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, due to King Saul's sin. And he became a negotiator, a statesman. He negotiated uh, the execution of seven of Saul's descendants to stop the plague. They were all hung. And the scripture says as the ravens came, as the vultures came to consume the bodies, the mothers of those boys kept waving the vultures away. Glory to God. There's some mothers, their love is greater than any love. Hallelujah. And there's some people who are grieving over loss even now. And wave off or wave off the, uh, they were waving off of the, the, the uh, vultures from the carcasses. Because David negotiated that uh, execution of those boys that stopped the plague. And I want us to read the scriptures here in America because we seem to be very ignorant of scriptures. When there's a plague, we have to trace it. What's causing the plague? The curse cannot come unless it is causeless. It will not land causeless. In other words, if you put a limb out there, the curse is going to land on it. So what is happening in our culture and in our life around the world that will open us up for a virus or a pandemic? Not only was David the statesman, but he also becomes the statistic seeker he made his greatest mistake here he negotiates to stop a plague that caused many to die in israel because of saul's sins but now he stands as the sovereign over israel and he began to count or number his armies he wanted to know the stats the statistics a statistic seeker how many ships do we have? How many submarines do we have? How many bullets do we have? How many guns do we have? How many people in the army or the Marines? How many people do we have in the Navy or the Coast Guard, the Air Force and the Space Coast? And then look what I've produced. Look at the size of my armies. I built you and because of me, you're safe. When David did that, the Bible says a plague hit Israel and killed 70,000. Now, I want you to think now, I'm tracing scriptures, okay? We cannot, I don't care about any president or any monarch or anybody, anybody leading America. We don't, have pre we don't have kings, but we have a president and he has power. And you need to be careful now in America when you start saying what you built. Because what happened, David made the same mistake, and he was righteous. He wasn't the kind of guy that was out there hanging out and saying any kind of thing. He really loved the Lord, but when he made this mistake, it caused the plague to break out. And the scripture is clear. David had to go and buy a threshing floor and offer under God sacrifices. And when he did that, the plague was stayed. But 70,000 lost their lives unto, lost their lives because of this mistake that he made when he began to gloat in the power of his army. And America is not here today and standing because we have water on all sides or at least three sides of this great nation. He, we're not here because uh, there, there, there is seas, the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean. And then even below America, below uh, southern of us, we have the Caribbean seas and all of those things. And it's hard for nations to come and invade us. We're protected because God is protecting us. We're protected because the salt of the earth is here. We're protected because the church here is praying. We're protected because God, hallelujah, is working through people like you and I. And we're calling on his name and asking him to 
watch. It is not a Patriot missile. It is not a Scud. It is not a submarine with nuclear power. It is God that is helping us. It is God that is in God we trust. Glory to God. And if we as leaders, if our leaders of the nation, if the Congress and the executive branch and the judicial branch, which all of you evangelicals believe that God has raised up the present leader of our nation to secure the Supreme Court, then why won't we tell him, please now, it's a good thing that you did that, but it's bad for you to number American soldiers or to say, I built you up we must say God has built us up it's because of God that we're alive and when you do that I believe the plague will come to a halt because it is not the missiles that keep plagues from the land no wall will keep a plague out we need God the angels of the Lord are encamped around about him or them that fear him when we moved into our present home, uh, something happened. Uh, I got a knock on our door, and, that, and it was a Jamaican man who said to me, I now know why I had to pray on the foundation when this house was built, because God had me come in here every morning and standing on this foundation and praying, and now I know he wanted me to pray for you. I didn't understand it. I just became obedient. And he brought me a bell, uh, that, that doorbell, and we were able to put the doorbell in the house. His name was Patton. Glory to God. Panton. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. He now belongs to the ages. And every time he would see me for 10 years, he was, he was an elderly man. He would stand on his feet and uh, give homage to say, I must stand. I can't sit when you enter into a room. I said, sir, you don't have to do that. He said, no. God told me to do it. And I have to give you a message. Don't turn back, man. Don't turn back, man. Don't turn back, man. Okay, I got it. He kept saying it for three hours. Don't turn back a thousand times. So I sat down after two hours. And I listened. I got you, Lord. I understand. I will not turn back. And I want to let you know there's something inside of you, hallelujah, that God has put inside of you today. And the shepherd is watching over your life. And you don't have to quit or turn back. Even if you don't get any accolades, you can hold on to the faith that God has put in your heart and soul. Don't turn back, man. And then the next door neighbor came over to our house crying. She was shedding tears. And she said, I saw smoke coming from your house. And at first, I thought it was a fire. But the smoke came out of your house and went into the heavens. And then smoke from the heavens came back into the house. And it kept just a, a spiral of smoke coming up and going down and coming up and going down. And something glorious is happening in your house. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. And then the wife and I went down to the keys and when we got back, a bird had laid, laid a nest in the reef that's there at the door. And she said, please wait. This is the same lady. Please, I'm a bird watcher. This bird doesn't do that. It always lays nests in the top of trees. But for this bird to do it there, it has to be something special. Glory to God. Because God was letting me know that he was watching over me. He was watching over me. Glory to God. He was watching over me. And he let me know I sent you to this city. Glory to God. The shepherd led me here. And he led me here because he has a specific people that he wants to reach. And he wants to reach you. Glory to God. 
He wants to touch your life. He wants to reach out to you to do mighty exploits. Glory to God. And that's why I don't number what I have. It's not about what I've got. Everything I got, I give back to God because he brought me here. And he's the one that's protected me. Can the church say amen? Not only David was a statistic seeker, he made that mistake and he paid dearly for it. 70,000 died. But he became a sponsor. He was the one that dedicated monies and resources for the building of the temple. The future temple. He never built it, but he set something. He created legacy for those that would build the temple to do so. And what do you have, billionaires and rich people? If God has made you wealthy, what are you going to leave behind? Glory to God. I want to challenge you to leave behind something that can build a temple. Leave behind resources that God's work can begin to go forth. And then he became the scribe. That is a person who begins to record the Psalms. He wrote over half the Psalms. The book of 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and 1st Chronicles. He's also inside of them. He becomes the scribe. Today, the modern day scribe are cameramen. Are cameramen who are recording and helping us to pump out the word to you. But David is the first scribe, king, prophet, scribe. And priest. Lastly, he became very sagacious. The saga man. Sagacious. He exhorts his son Solomon, who would assume the throne after his demise, to act like a man of God. I want to encourage you to act like a man or a woman of God. I know times are hard, but kick the flesh to the curb and act like you know who God is. I know you're all crunched in and your mind is playing pr tricks on you, but you got to act like you know who Jesus is. Let's get back to the roots, the grassroots of faith and holiness and righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Act like you know who God is. Glory to God. Cast your cares on him for he cares for you. He also told Solomon to be true to the word of the Lord. Whatever the statutes are, whatever the commandments are, you must remain true to the word. Then he told Solomon, you need to rely on the promises of God. Because the promises of God are yea and amen. He was able to tell Solomon, I'm young, I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg bread. In every season, God is taking care of his people. And then last but not least, he shared with Solomon to execute judgments with wisdom. Glory to God. When you create or use past judgment, you need to execute it with a righteous heart. Glory to God. And show no favoritisms. And what we got now, people like to lend toward the rich. And when the rich, when the rich are in the room, then everybody wants to take care of the rich. But God wants justice to be done. You don't just take care of the rich. You got to take care of those who don't have any. God is concerned about their lives. Their life is just as much as important as anybody else that's living on, on, uh, in a palace. God is concerned about every life, even the life that's on drugs right now. Amen. Jesus died for you. Can the church say Amen. This is the man that we're talking about. And he went through all of these changes and he writes for us Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I want you to take this down if you can. That The shepherd is a good shepherd. 
And he does three things to make sure his people enter into the promise. Number one, he's in control. And he takes control. He's the shepherd. And if you saw a shepherd following sheep, you would say he's a no good shepherd. The shepherd leads the sheep. And God is the one who leads his people. So he takes control. Secondly, he protects his sheep. He's well equipped to protect his sheep. He protects them from danger, but he also protects them from the unseen danger of lice and parasites. One of the main things that drives sheep crazy is lice that get into their fur and it migrates to their heads and then it gets to their ears or an opening like their nostrils and it burrows into them and then gets into the brain cavity and you see the sheep going insane. Well, the shepherd is always pouring oil on the head of his sheep. It is not just the oil is not for the shepherd. He's already anointed. The oil is for the sheep because what he's trying to do is slow down the progression of lice in your fur. It is hard for lice to get traction when you have oil on your head. Glory to God. And when you get that oil on your head, the oil keeps the lice from migrating to your ears. You'll get ear salve. And when you hear negative talk, it won't burr into your ear and make you go insane. Or when you get in and get uh, offended in church, you won't go insane because your heart is not fortified. Glory to God. If you get lice in your head and you get offended, it'll cause you to change your behavior. and You'll leave God and leave his house. So the anointing is to protect you from lies and to give you what you need to squeeze through the clutches of the enemy. And then he also provides for his sheep. So he's in control. He protects and he provides. He provides everything they need. He does everything within his power to care for and nurture his sheep. All while allowing them to grow and to flourish. So I want you to write it down. God wants his sheep to conform. God wants his sheep to conform. And you have to be God's sheep if you're going to expect God to give you his promises and to fulfill them. He's not obligated to fulfill any promise to those who don't want to herd in his pasture. So I have to study God's word. This is how I apply the word or apply the 23rd Psalm to my, my life. I have to study his word and apply the word of the Psalm to my life. And that's how I begin to walk in the 23rd Psalm. First of all, you must become one of his sheep. Glory to God. And I'm going to decree and declare some things here today that those who are part of the move of God don't get weary in our well-doing. When the sun came up this morning, the Lord allowed me to sense a weariness on his people. Uh, I'm not really sure why uh, we're not really going to work. And so we're not uh, laboring as it relates to that. We're in quarantine. So it must be a mental attack. It's a mental fatigue that's taking place and the enemy may be winning the battle if you're not applying the word to your life. But I just come to decree and declare the blood of Jesus is against you, Satan. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. The Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
And you know this name. This name has been proven. And I decree and declare that you must back off of the people in the minds of God's people. I come against every stronghold in the minds of God's people. Strongholds of disappointment. Strongholds of setback. In the name of Jesus, the stronghold that makes us feel like we're not significant. You don't determine whether we're significant or not. We are significant because of the blood of Jesus and the word of God that's been preached. We put our faith in it. Hallelujah. And the Lord rebukes you in Jesus' name. I decree and declare a, a footing for the people of God. You're being grounded in the word of God. Your house is intact. You're not losing your mind. I decree peace to the storm in the name of Jesus. And you will rise up and you will overcome every obstacle in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Go ahead and give him praise right there. I feel the Holy Spirit breaking some yokes. Yes, the yoke is broken. There is a breaker anointing that's moving in this service even now. And you will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. Corona can't have you, neither can Satan have you. And you would not even have you. God has you in your hands. Glory to God. You don't have to worry about this. God's got your back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And so you need to understand that God is in control and God is protecting and God is providing. He does everything within his power to take care of you. And what he can't control is your free will. He's given that to you. You are in direct control of your free will. And anything that tries to manipulate your free will is witchcraft. And God has nothing to do with witchcraft. That's why he said, choose you this day. I have set before you, glory to God, life and death and blessing and cursing. Choose life. Hallelujah. He even gives you a hint. You only got two choices, but I'm telling you now, if you want to live, choose life and live. Glory to God. Thank you, God. He does not manipulate your will. He does not call. He doesn't tempt you with sin. You need to know that's of the devil. Glory to God. And I want to encourage you in the name of the Lord. God has given you a sovereign will. You need to make a decision. That's why in worship, we learn to exchange our will for his will. And when you do so, you step into the pasture of the great shepherd. And when that sheep decides to run off, he no longer can receive the benefits of the group. The sheep no longer gets the best grazing spots. The oversight of a caring shepherd and the comfort and love from being part of the group. I want to encourage you, those of you that want to be different. It's hard for you to conform. That is not the nature of the sheep. God is in charge. The shepherd is in charge. And if you submit to his, his ability to lead or his position of leader, then he will protect and provide for you. You don't have to worry about that. And so if there's a lack in the protection and the provision, you got to also look at where you are as it relates to who's in control. Are you trying to lead your own way and do your own thing? Or have you submitted it to God? So the Lord is my shepherd. Out of John chapter 10 and verse 14. And the word of the Lord reads like this. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Hallelujah. I want you to let that settle in your spirit. I am the good shepherd, and there is a communicative ability between my people and me. I know them, and I'm no stranger to them. They know me. Glory to God. And so if you want to know whether you're sheep or not, he says, I know you. I want to know, do you know me? Because according to John chapter 10, he says, I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. So they know my ways. They know how I move. They know my scent. They know how I correct them. They know that I love them. They've seen too many battles when I fought for them. Verse 15 says, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, Jesus is not saying this is a casual relationship. Jesus is saying as the father knows me, so do I know my sheep and they know me. And you got to get this. There's a triangle here. God loves Jesus and Jesus loves me. And if I know Jesus, I know the father. And the Father loves me through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I love the Father through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And as long as I have that triangle, I get the control of God in my life, but also the protection and the provision in God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go to another, another one. Psalm 34 and verse 9. Psalm 34 and verse 9. And the psalm reads like this. Fear the Lord. You, his saints, for those who fear him, I like this, lack nothing. If he's your shepherd and you shall not want, you will lack nothing during this season. God will provide for you. So peace be still. Look at verse 10. The lions may grow weak and hungry. But look at verse 9. You will lack nothing. Glory, hallelujah. Look at verse 10 again. The lion may grow weak. The lion may grow weak and hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If he's your shepherd and he's in control, that's what the problem is. Who has their hand on the control button? And if Jesus is in control, if the father is your shepherd, then you will lack no thing. You will not want. Thank you, God. And then in Romans chapter 8, I love this one in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us? All things. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he gave up Jesus for you. And as he raised Jesus from the dead and gave him life. He gave him up for you, but he raised him up for you as well. And he will graciously give you all things. You will lack nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Now. What makes this personal is that the Lord is the shepherd, not just over your wealth, but I want you to get this first. He's the shepherd over your soul. Say, Jesus is the shepherd of my soul. 
Now, a lot of people are only concerned about the hardware of their life. The Mac kind of ladies, the Mary Kay ladies, the extension ladies, the, the nail lady, the, the pedicure lady, the, the hips and, and thigh lady, the, the shake kind of lady, the, the, the macho man, you know, macho, macho man, the man that's got the money, the man that's got the power, the PMS kind of man, the power and the money and the sex kind of man. This is what we look, that's hardware kind of living. I'm the man. But God is concerned about the software of the man and the woman. The thing that we can't see when we look at you. The thing that you sleep with every night. Your own mind and the way you regulate your thoughts and how you process things. And how fear grips you. That's what God is concerned about. That's where he's put, put creative juice inside of you and he wants you to grow. But the enemy is attacking the software. And if you don't get good software, and if you don't have a good operating system, things will get clogged up and you'll get stuck, locked up. Then you got to reboot. Well, God is the shepherd of your soul, and he's rebooting you this morning. Hallelujah. He's shutting you all the way down so he can light you back up so you can work with more efficiency. And in Job chapter 33 and verse 29, it reads like this, verse 29, part B and verse 30, twice, even three times, to turn back the soul from the pit, that the light of life may shine on him. Notice when God deals with the soul, he turns, he, he turns back his soul from the pit. Now, you don't necessarily see how close your mind is to falling over a cliff. But when God touches the mind, when he becomes the, show, the shepherd of the mind, he stops the soul from going over a pit. That the light of life may shine on him. So right as you're about to fall into the abyss, he stopped the soul from sinking into the pit. And then he escorts the soul back to the life. The light of life that it may shine on the soul and get all of the impurities out of the soul so you can live again. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. And I just decree and declare that I see in the spirit that somebody's soul is inches away from the cliff to fall over to the abyss. Glory to God. But I decree and declare that you're right in the right place at the right time. And God is now backing your soul from the pit. Glory to God. You're moonwalking back from the pit. He stopped you from falling, glory to God, over into the abyss. That the light of life from the shepherd may shine on you again and you will live because of the sacrifice of our Lord. Hallelujah. Let me lay another foundation for you out of Hosea chapter 14 and verse 4. It reads like this, and I will heal their waywardness. The soul that is wayward and I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. And my anger uh, for my anger has turned away from them. This is how God really saves the soul. He turns his anger. We did what we shouldn't do, but he turns his anger away from the soul. Glory to God. And then he heals the waywardness that caused you to stray anyway. And his love he gives to you freely. In other words, you can't pay for this love. Man, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. 
Glory to God. Somebody's soul was wavered and he turned it. And someone never knew about the love because every time you got love, you had to pay for it. And then somebody didn't understand that God is not mad at you anymore for the abortion and what you did yesterday and for the secret stuff that you never told anybody about. God has already wiped you clean. So get your mind right and let it go. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be his name. David praised this prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. How does the shepherd sustain me? Well, when the soul needs spiritual refreshment, the shepherd provides green pastures. I said when the soul needs spiritual refreshment, the shepherd provides green pastures. For things that keep sheep from laying down in the green pasture. He provides the green pasture, but there are four things that keep sheep from laying down in the green pasture. Glory to God. Rest only comes because the shepherd has dealt with these three, four things. Now, God can take you in the green pastures, but you won't lay in it. Sheep don't lay in things if these four elements are in place. Number one, if a sheep is afraid, it will never lay down. Thank you, God. If it's frantic, it will always stand up and keep moving, even during the dark. It will not lay in rest if there's fear. That's why the shepherd stands guard so the sheep can rest. And you want to leave the sheepfold. You feel like you're going to make it out doing what you do. You'll never rest. Because when you're not a part of the sheepfold and the shepherd is not uh, in control and he's not protecting and he's not providing, you'll never find peace. So one of the reasons why he wants you to get with him is because he's trying to eradicate fear in your life. Sheep will not lay. Even they're in a climate where they can thrive, they will not rest if there's fear in their lives. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. For fear comes with torments. And you will not lay down if you have fear. Glory to God. Number two, I'm not angry at you all, but I feel this message. Why is he talking so loud? <laughs> I got the Holy Ghost on me. <laughs> Put some earplugs on. I'll be all right in a minute. Glory to God. The second thing fit will call sheep from laying down in green pastures is friction. It's friction. If there's friction in the sheepfold, they can't rest. And this is why the enemy don't want church folk to get... Uh, uh, around church folk and have peace because he wants you to always look at what they did or what they said because he knows you'll never rest in the green pasture. A family will never rest if there's friction. A marriage will never rest if there's friction. Leadership in a church, leadership in a nation, leadership in the Congress, Congress will never stop or cease if there's friction and there will be no peace. The third thing, you got to get this, sheep would never lay down in green pastures. Not only if there's fear or friction, they would never lay down in green pasture if there's flies or parasites. Who, 
is the Lord of flies. His name in the scripture is Beelzebub. Let me give you another one. Sloughfoot. Let me give you another one. The deceiver. Let me give you another one. The spirit of Cain. Let me give you another one. The spirit of Belial. Let me give you another one. The spirit of Judas. Let me give you another one. The spirit of Herod. Let me give you another one. The spirit of, of Nero. Glory to God. Let me give you another one. The spirit of Ahithophel. Let me give you another one. Son of the morning. Let me give you another one. Lucifer. Hallelujah. Let me give you another one. That old devil, the serpent, the dragon, glory to God. This is the one who spawns flies. And when sheep are pegged with parasites, they can't rest. They keep wondering. This is why he anoints you with oil to cut down the parasites. And you can't get this anointing on your own. You got to have a relationship. And he don't just anoint you. He understands that a sheepfold needs to come together to fulfill the call of God. And number four, hallelujah, fear, friction, flies. And here's another one. Sheep will never rest if there's famine. They will wander all night to get into green pastures. But they will never rest if there's famine. In other words, you take them to a place where the food isn't nourishing. And got a lot of people that's feeding folk junk food, prophesying every day. Prophecy is supposed to take up maybe 20%. You're supposed to learn how to take God at his word. If you live off prophecy alone, you won't be balanced. You'll be kind of out of balance. Like you're waiting on someone to affirm you before you move. When God wants you to walk by faith and then you can run by faith and then you can fly by faith. I believe I can fly. Why? Because I've learned to walk by faith and then I learned to run by faith and now I can fly. But if I'm waiting on prophets to confirm me every day, then I'll be limited in my growth patterns. The prophet is supposed to confirm what the spirit is saying and illuminate the mind of God. And then you walk in it. Thank you, Lord. Whew. When the soul is weary, he provides still waters. I decree and declare that for the weary soul, still waters are flowing for you. There's healing in the waters. There's deliverance. In the still waters. And when your soul. Is weary. He provides. Still waters. And when your soul needs revival. He restores your soul. Glory to God. Why wouldn't you be around this shepherd? You are weary. He provides still waters. But when your soul needs revival. He restores it. Not a man. Not a woman, not a relationship, not a fail, not a recovery of relationship. Only he can revive the soul. He's the shepherd of my soul. And when the soul needs guidance and direction, he leads me down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to notice the shepherd's guidance provides, uh, provided David with a moral compass. A lot of times, if you'll learn to grab the moral compass, you get the moral compass, the guidance comes with your righteousness toward the Lord. 
As you move in the righteousness, you'll hear direction clearly. Thank you, God. I need God uh, to talk to me, Bishop. I, I need God to give me direction. Well, what are you doing on a Friday night? Where's your moral compass? If you can control Friday night appetite, then you'll begin to get the direction of the Lord on Sunday morning. Man, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. You want God to give you direction, but you want to do what you want to do when you want to do what you want to do. And if you keep doing what you want to do when you want to do it, you'll get what you've always had. Thank you, Jesus. If you want something different, you got to get a moral compass. And when your flesh talks to you, you got to say, flesh is just flesh, and that's all it's ever going to be. I need to hear from God. Thank you, Jesus. I'd be glad when this church come back together. God has given me a bomb. There's a bomb up in the bomb. The bomb, the glory, the glory is up in the house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him praise. I feel the Holy Ghost on that one. <laughs> you want guidance? Get your moral compass in your hand. And navigate like that by living righteous. And all of a sudden, the path becomes clear. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. That's how he guides me. Glory, hallelujah. When the soul is confronted with death, he did not leave me alone, but he walked with me. I like verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. His place. His place. For the sheep, his place. The valley of the shadow of death. That can be your own home, your own residence. It can become your apartment that you're living in or a room that you're renting out. You feel hedged in and even surrounded. And that becomes the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to notice something here. It is a valley. It is a valley. And so we see his place, but we also see his progress. I'm here to tell you that your place, even your own house, can be the valley of the shadow of death, depending on what's going on in it or what's going on in your mind. But you also got to see his progress. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I'm not standing in it. I'm not sleeping in it. I'm walking through it, which simply means eventually I'm coming out of it. I'm not camping out in it. I'm not setting up a teepee. I'm not building a monument. I'm not making myself comfortable in this valley. I'm just walking through it, and he's with me. The walk represents growth. Even though it's dark in the valley, in my home, in my apartment, in my room, in my own residence. But I'm growing. I'm developing while in the valley. I'm advancing while I'm in the valley. I'm progressing while in the, in the valley. I'm making movement. I'm walking. I'm awake. I'm sitting up. I used to crawl. Now I'm standing. Hallelujah. I'm walking and then I'm running while in the valley. Same place, but I'm growing while I'm here. Thank you, God. Notice David said, in the valley of the shadow of death. It is a valley of the shadow of death, not facing the substance of death. Yes. 
But the valley of the shadow of death is just the shadow cast, but the substance, the death, the, the, uh, the grim reaper is not in the valley. He just cast a shadow there. And you got to know how to differentiate between the shadow and the substance of death. If you see the substance of death, you need God, of course. But sometimes the enemy just wants you to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid about because he's with you. But if he can make you feel like you're afraid, he can get the same result that if the substance of death was standing before you. Some people are thinking about they're going to die. I'm going to die. I got a problem. I got a problem. Don't think about that. Think about the day he allowed you to live. Thank you, Jesus. The shadow of death cast is dark and is fearful. It's outlined across David's path, but David didn't allow that shadow to hinder him. Because God gave him peace. Scripture says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's peace. And not only is peace the tranquility of soul. It is goodness and mercy following you all of the days of your life. And this is the season that we're living in. God is not just going to tell you to fear not and I'm going to take care of you. He's going to give you something tangible to put your hand on. Goodness is something tangible that you've been praying about that God allows you to get keys to or you put your hands on. And he's going to release that. I decree and declare right now. The thing that you've been praying, been praying about is about to come into your life. Fear not. Fear no evil. People are looking for tranquility of soul, but there's hell inside of you. That's not, that's not, if hell is in you, I can't get peace to you. You got to learn how to think different. But God is going to give you goodness and mercy that will follow you, remind you of his goodness and mercy. When you start doubting, oh, look at this. Where are you standing? What's in your hands? What did I bless you with? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. It is following me. So where, why are you afraid? If I did it before, come on, I can do it again. Not only that, not only to give him his peace, but his personal companionship. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou. Who is thou? The great shepherd. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Sitkanu. Jehovah Makedesh. Jehovah Shalom. Personal companion. Thou art with me. We're looking for physical companionship. We want physical love. But God said you need to see. When you're in the shadow of death, you don't need physical love right now because it's all internal. Your software needs to be rebooted. I'm the shepherd of your soul. Not only the personal companionship, look at the presence of God. For thou art with me. The power of presence. And when God is with you in faith, but also in reality, even ex facto, when you can't feel him or see him, you know he's there. That's like a good father. If a good father stay home alone with the kids, even if he's not there, they feel his presence. Believe me, they do. That's what scripture says. They may deny it. They may even buck against it. But the presence is there. It's ex facto. When I run an organization, I don't have to be in every meeting. But my chair remains empty. It is yet filled with my presence ex facto. Everybody operates just like I'm there, even though I'm not there. And you can have that in your own home. Mama, you're not home. But make sure your presence is there. That when you leave home, it's ex facto. Glory to God. Not only is his presence there, but look at protection. Thy rod and thy staff comforts me. 
guidance and defense and fortification. Refuge and strength is there. My protection. He promised that. If I'm in control, I will give you protection and I will provide for you. And last but not least, his present comfort is there. Thy rod and staff, they're there to guard, but they comfort me. That's present comfort, not future comfort. The staff comforts me. Looking at the staff comforts me. I know you will correct me, which means you love me enough to not allow me to stray so much that I lose everything or that my soul goes to the pit and crosses over. You push back my soul before it goes there and you bring it back to the light of life that I may live. That's how much he cares about your soul. You can be in the house of God and your soul can be out there in some mountain somewhere. But he will leave the 99 searching for your soul and go into the mountains to seek that which is going astray. Even now he's searching for your mind because your mind has left the fold. But God is bringing it back to the fold now and restoring you to the place that he called you to be. I like this one. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my conflicts or my enemies. I'm almost done. He prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who prepared the table? The shepherd. You mean he cooked the meal? Yes. He purchased the ingredients? Yes. He baked the cake? Yes. He made it my, uh, he, he heated it up into my temperature? Yes. He then put it on the plate, the fine china. Yes. And then he served it to me. Yes. He did it all. You didn't have to buy it. You didn't have to fix it. You didn't have to prepare it. And he set it in front of you to eat while your enemies all around you. But what does he want you to focus on? The enemies around you or the table that he set before you? I say to you that he's such a good shepherd. He's already taken care of the enemies. The reason why the enemies are able to get your mind is because instead of you focusing on what he prepared for you, instead of you focusing on what he's already done, you got your eyes on everybody else that's watching you. And you can't even enjoy what God has set before you. The example is with Zavnath Paneo. And as Joseph heard from the Lord in a dream that his brothers would bow to him, they came to him while governor of Egypt, and they came, and Joseph brought them all into his chamber. And the Bible said he prepared a meal for all of them. The scripture says, from the eldest to the youngest, from Reuben to Benjamin, they sat in order of each other. For Reuben, for Simeon, for Levi, for Judah, hallelujah, for Asher, for Gad, for Naphtali, glory to God, hallelujah. For every one of his brothers, he sat him in order and he put Benjamin close and then he pushed himself back from the table. And they all had their favorite meal prepared, just like they like it from the land of the Hebrews. Insomuch they were amazed. How does this Hebrew? How does this Egyptian know us this way to prepare a meal for us in the presence of our enemies, in the midst of a famine, in the midst of the stuff that's going on in my life, in the midst of pain and COVID-19? He still takes care of me. Whoa, what God is this?
this. What kind of God in Zophbaphaneah could not let them know who did it? Glory to God. Because he wanted them to focus on the meal. Realizing if they ate the meal, maybe they would say, I know this cooking. I know that this could only come from the one that we know personally. And from the taste, you should know the man. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He wants you to know he's good because you're eating the meal that he prepared for you. And it tastes good when he prepares it before you in the midst of your conflicts. But what we do is focus on what's around us. And not on the meal that he prepared. If you taste, you will see that he's good. And he never forgot you. We forgot him. We cast him into a pit. We sold him into slavery. He descended into a pit and he was left alone. And when they sold him into slavery, the scripture says the irons were placed on his ankles and it hurt his feet. Yet, he said, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. And whatever you did against the Lord, he forgives you because he's the great shepherd. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Even now, God is restoring your mind. He prepares a table before me in the midst of my enemies. He anoints my hair with oil to get the lice and the parasites out. And my cup runs over. That's ministry for others. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. That's the peace of God manifested. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Come on, forever. And I just decreed and declare a restoration of your mind and soul. In the name of Jesus. You're not going to lose your mind. In the name of Jesus. He's regulating it even now. He gave me this message, told me to preach. And you need to pray. I pray Psalm 23. With this understanding, I pray. So every verse means something. He's restoring my soul. He's restoring my soul with provision. He's restoring my soul with protection. He's restoring my soul even though I'm in the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. He's restoring my soul when my enemies are coming against me like a flood. He's restoring my soul with peace and mercy and grace. He's giving me an anointing for my head to keep the lights out. He's restoring my soul. And I can always hear him. He leads me down the path of righteousness. He restores my soul. He gives me a moral compass so I can get the direction I need. A moral compass gives me direction. I'm more confused when I'm not working with him godly. In godliness. Thank you, Jesus. Even now, clarity is coming to your heart and your mind. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for touching every life. And I give you praise for revelation knowledge. I bless you for touching your people. I treasure Psalm 23. In Jesus' name, amen. We're offering up a free download. Uh, we did a, a production here a few years ago on the 23rd Psalm. I give the narration, and Frank Cleveland does the music, and it's done very well. And we're doing a free download for those people that follow the props. You can get that, and you can play Psalm 23 in your heart and your soul as you pray this prayer. I want all of us to begin to do it. You pick a time, 6 in the morning or 11 in the morning, 6 in the evening or 11 in the evening. 
Pass it to your friends. Pray it over your kids and watch God touch you. He's going to protect his people. He's protecting us now. I pray. Psalm 23. Let it be so in every heart. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Even now, we're about to take communion and I uh, want to pull your heart and mind in. Those that are watching, you may have, we've asked you to have the wine at your homes, but we will not pass communion out here. Um, I'm going to take it on behalf of the church and the people. But if you're at home and you have communion utensils, and if you don't have it, I want you to get it. Unsalted crackers, and I want you to get wine. Not the real fermented wine, grape juice. Some people use it as an excuse to go and buy liquor. That's not what I'm saying. I said grape juice. Keep it holy. And what we're going to do, I'm going to take it on behalf of the church, and I want you all to join with me. This is a vicarious moment. I am not your high priest, but I step in the office of priest right now. Jesus is the true high priest. And on behalf of all the people, I'll partake in communion. The Bible says he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He took the cup, which represents the New Testament and his blood. He said, often as you do this, so partake, you show forth my death and suffering until I come. So I bless the wine and I bless the bread on behalf of the people of God. And I decree that as we take healing, deliverance, and a relationship with the Lord will be fermented through communion in Jesus' name. disciples and on behalf of all of God's children I partake in communion on behalf I speak healing to your body and deliverance in Jesus name custom at the church to lift the cup above our heads. God, I elevate your blood. Elevate your blood on behalf of your people. So unworthy, Lord.
behalf of them, Lord, for their sake. Some can't take communion. They're too sick. They're all alone. I elevate your blood above our sin, above our waywardness, above our tendencies to leave the fold. Nonconformance. Nonconformist. Forgive us, Lord. It has been a real joy to share the Word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.